Alright, welcome along to the Artie Soccer World Cup podcast. Raf Giallo here, and today I'm joined by James McMahon of Artie Sport Online. Usually there's a bit of a watch-along element if you've been watching some of these, uh, the, the first three episodes with Mikey Stafford, but we're just recording just as Belgium have edged Canada 1-0, Jim. I think you've been keeping an eye on this game as mm. well. Before we talk about the, the three other matches earlier on, which uh, involved a shock and a stalemate and also yeah. then a scintillating Spanish performance. But uh, Belgium got very lucky here. I'm just trying to think, Raf, of matches at recent World Cups where a team that has won didn't really deserve to win. You know what I mean? Um, I can't say that it was, you know, daylight robbery. But when you consider the chances that Canada had as compared to Belgium, I, I don't know, was it... Uh, was it 16 against four or five or some some stats like that? But the long ball over the top does often work wonders, uh, Raf. And uh, Belgium employed that tactic in the first half. And just before halftime, Batshuayi got on the end of one such uh, long ball and he found the back of the net. And that proved to be the only um, that proved to be the only goal in the game. We spoke before the tournament, uh, Raf, about whether this was the the end of the cycle for the Belgium team. You know, that really, once they qualified for the 2014 World Cup, they were talked about as the golden generation. Um, It's three points that I suppose that's the most important thing on the board. But you would like to think, or you would hope, uh, certainly Canada... Uh, have got lots of admirers, I think, after after that performance. And I think it's fair to say that they probably still would have a say in what goes on in the group. I wouldn't. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, they qualified top of their qualifying group, which usually yeah. is dominated by Mexico and the United States. So they States. have done well to get here. Obviously, they're hosting, co-hosting the next World Cup as well. And they have mm-hmm. a very vibrant and very, very pacey young team, which I think really came across as well, particularly Alfonso Davies. I know the penalty miss... And it's not the only penalty missed oh, yeah, in the tournament yeah, so far. Sorry. But, yeah. but uh, you know, he, he performed really well, as did a lot of those quick forwards. The only thing they seem to be missing, it looks like, Jim, was sort of like the final ball. And also, they just got a bit unlucky as well. With obviously, Courtois as a brilliant goalkeeper there. Yeah, I, it was a case of the final ball not sticking. And you'd probably also have to credit Raf that Belgium did defend very, very well. You know, over Toby over Rowell, I think. I hope I'm pronouncing his name properly there. Uh, you know, but uh, yeah, maybe probably a little bit of inexperience of playing. You know, on the big stage. I think this is their first World Cup since 1986. So, um, and I don't think too many people beforehand would have had, in spite of their good record in qualifying, would have had Canada down. But uh, they're certainly a team to watch in the next two games. Yeah, certainly they have Croatia next before they play Morocco. And uh, given that Croatia are also another slightly aging team, maybe not to the yeah. extent of Belgium, you'd, you'd give Canada a chance there if they can replicate uh, the performance that they that they, they played yeah, today. And it's certainly in, in the opening game, this morning, Raf, Croatia against Morocco, I don't think that match wasn't a whole, wasn't a whole pile to write home about. And... Croatia, yeah. Look, I mean, they they did very well in qualifying. Croatia, I think they won nearly all their games. We thought that maybe after uh, the twenty twenty Euros and uh, that that they could be that they could be on the slide. But uh, a bit like Denmark yesterday, a team you know just didn't really you know first game up, but just didn't really fire. I, no. I, I mean that opening match wasn't it wasn't a lot to write home about. Uh, I know it had the ten o'clock start, so maybe many people missed it. Were at work and all that, but it, it's certainly this group is still wide open. 
Yeah, no, you mentioned the Denmark game uh, against Tunisia. I think it also, which so happens to be a North African team playing against Croatia in the shape of Morocco, and they've got mm. some really good players. And it ended up, maybe it wasn't too much to write home about, but it was also quite an intriguing fixture mm. in a way as well. Very a tactical game where both defences were were on top. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how both of those teams get on. Obviously, Morocco play the Belgians next. And as I said, it's Canada versus Croatia um, uh, this uh, this coming weekend. But weekend, yeah. Yeah, but uh, in regards to the bench, I don't know if you've seen this, but on the no. Canada bench, <laughs> someone who is much beloved in Ireland and who also has a lot of love for this country, uh, Chris Hadfield, the uh, the astronaut, oh, randomly, yes. now, there, there seemed to be a thing where, I wasn't sure, was it a doppelganger or not, but he appears to have been on the Canada bench alongside the manager, John Herdman. Yeah, uh, Chris Hadfield, well, maybe maybe we're spaced out in looking at that. I, I don't know, uh, Raph. I don't know too much about Hadfield. What's his love for Ireland or what's his... What's his... Uh, he, he served in the International Space Station and I believe at the time, that this is about 10 years ago, he was on the Late Late Show a, few time, a couple of times, I think, as well, but he took some lovely pictures of the island from up in space um, which right. I think got a, um, in the age when Twitter was at its peak obviously Twitter mm-hmm. is not at its peak now yeah. um, it went viral and uh, yeah um, he, he got a lot of love from people in this country so it was just randomly just as the anthems were happening and a few po- photos were posted which appears to show him on the bench but his purpose um, within the squad if it is truly him it is not quite clear or is it somebody that is it his as you say is it his doppelganger or is there are there many other Chris Hadfield's astronauts running around on planet Earth? Well, if there's somebody with a mustache who looks exactly like him, <laughs> I'm, yeah. not, I'm not sure. I know he's uh, he's obviously he's obviously somewhere on Earth, so possibly he could yeah. be somewhere in Qatar at the moment. I remember Raf before Ireland played Austria in 2016 in Vienna. Uh, we were just outside. It was quite crowded having a bar, and I swore to God it was Jurgen Klopp been mobbed by fans and and people were saying that is Jurgen Klopp oh so let's go up and see can we talk to Jurgen Klopp but it wasn't Jurgen Klopp but again it was somebody that looked that looked exactly like uh, Jurgen Klopp um, I mean can you think of many football doppelgangers Raph people like famous people that look like footballers or um, uh, off the top of my head no I'm sure like sometimes it'll pop up as an example sometimes in the moment but I can't off the top of my head no I, I couldn't think of anybody who's like an exact uh, replica I'm sure there are examples and uh, yeah. any, anybody listening to this feel free to, well, to tweet I, it in yeah I, I think football365.com used to do whether they still do or not football football lookalikes and you know Sean Kane he's the Shano singer from the west of Ireland He's a he's a you know blackbirds calling in the dead of night and all that. He's a he looks very much like Arsene Wenger. <laughs> so if if you can if you can imagine, I think he's a sister of uh, I think they're a family of um, singers. But but anyways, we're we're going off topic slightly there. Anyways, yeah, yeah. No, you mentioned Jurgen Klopp, obviously um, of German extraction, and that is probably the game of the day or the shock of the day. So mm. yesterday we had Saudi Arabia beating Argentina two one out of nowhere, and then again today another team from the Asian Confederation Japan beating Germany 2-1 and I think the the aspect of these two games that probably is most notable because usually when there's a shock in a World Cup it's it's usually a 1-0 um, the, the team that causes the shock takes the lead and it's a defensive effort on. on both of these occasions the uh, the favourite has taken the lead and the minnow or underdog has managed to fight mm-hmm. back which is quite notable is that is that a sign of complacency? Uh, is it a sign of uh, teams underestimating the opposition? It looked 
today, Raph, by all accounts, after 60 minutes, that this was going to be that this was going to be a comfortable win for Germany. You know, perhaps should should have been further than a goal up. Playing really nice football, intricate football, particularly the young 19-year-old from Bayern Munich, Musiala, Musialia. Uh, he had won, there was one great little cameo from him where he was inside the box, shifting and turning, uh, took a shot, uh, you know, it would have been a brilliant goal. And then Japan make a couple of substitutes and lo and behold, 75 minutes they're level and then seven minutes later they're in front and you cannot say uh, I think they had something like 28% possession during the game but you can say that the win wasn't deserved No, certainly based on the second half performance Japan were outstanding and mm. it was also inter- interesting you mentioned Jamal Musiala who's obviously been starring for Bayern mm. Munich at a very tender age Hansi Flick making the decision to take him off and then at the same time Japan fighting back, back yeah. didn't, exa- didn't exactly work out that well no, it didn't. I know he also took off Thomas Muller, but I think the fact that Thomas Muller has only played a, a half an hour of football since uh, September, it's not the first time. I, I can remember the Bayern Munich when they lost the Champions League final in 2012. And I remember their manager taking off a couple of players and that allowed Chelsea to score and they managed to win that final on penalties. So, yeah. Um, and the outcome of it all now, uh, Raf, is that there's the prospect of of the Germans. Uh, it's you know they 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 have a bit of a task to qualify, you know, to get out of their group. And I think it would be unprecedented for the second World Cup running that the Germans don't get out of their group. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, there's a pattern there because uh, this is the second World Cup in a row that they have lost to a team from the Asian Confederation, the end of the last tournament, having, you know, they, they'd started that last World Cup very badly, but then it mm. ended on a very dire note, losing 2-0 to South Korea. And then the very next World Cup game, obviously four and a half years apart, mm. they they lose uh, 2-1 against Japan. So it's a sign of where they're at. And obviously the Euros, they weren't exactly brilliant either, knocked out in the last 16. So yeah. it's, it's a, it's a, and you actually look through the team, they're playing Nicolas Sula as a right back when he's actually mm. a centre back by trade. They still have some excellent players uh, within within the squad, but you look at the fringes of it and it kind of tells you that Germany are in a, are still in a state of transition. Yeah. And obviously as well, Raph, do they have any, do they have any kind of recognisable front man as well up front? I mean, they, whether it's Havertz or, you know, like they don't have a real focal point of attack either. And yeah, it's it'll be a huge disappointment if they, if they don't manage to get out of this. What is a tough group? Because on Sunday now, they have to play Spain. And yeah, yeah, which is a huge even, game. And even a draw, if Japan were to win the other match, you know, a draw still might, well, a draw probably does keep them in it, but uh, defeat, they're out probably, you know, at this yeah, point. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't know what you think, but it looks tougher for Germany on paper to stay in, given it's Spain next, than it would be for Argentina to try and stay in the tournament, because yeah. they have Mexico and Poland, both tough teams to play, but... Mm. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about Spain very shortly, but uh, this is Spain have beaten Germany six nil in not the last Nations League campaign, but the one yeah. before that. There and based on the way they they played today against Costa Rica and the way Germany played, especially mm. with their defensive issues, you know, they, Germany could be out by the time uh, the uh, the clock ticks midnight on Sunday. Uh, Ger- the yeah. Germans could well be out. Yeah, and also Rafa, but did we think pre-tournament? I didn't hear or listen to too many people talking about Germany as, 
you know, like, you know how they talk about dark horses. I mean, talking about Germany as a dark horse, but when we were looking at teams from Europe, aside from maybe France and Spain, people were probably talking about the Swiss or the Dutch or the Danes, but nobody was mentioning Germany. So if they do exit, I know I'm guaranteed that they'd still have talent on the pitch. It probably wouldn't be a seismic shock either. You know, no, albeit it is a it is a shock that they were beaten by the Japanese. Yeah, less of a shock than um, than it will be for say Argentina, who are being talked up as being one of the the mm-hmm. favourites for the competition uh, for sure. But before we touch on Spain, of course, the w- there was a moment before the before Germany kicked off against Japan that wasn't shown on the international feed. So this is where the German players. Uh, and it goes back to the one love armband, which they haven't been allowed to use by FIFA. And mm. they obviously took their team photo. And yes, as you're as you show me on screen there. Sorry. Uh, yeah, they're uh, you know, yeah. they, they they covered their mouths um as a sign of sort of being silenced more more or less. So again, the off-field issues, and it comes back to timing as well, doesn't it, Jim? I mean, the the countries that wanted to wear the one love armband band had flagged this a long long time ago mm. but fifa and also the uh, the qatari hosts have sort of left it to the very last minute and it has left these nations scrambling to to respond and given that the sanction seems to be a yellow card um they've uh, most of these teams have felt that they're not in a position to put it on because of course it would affect them it would affect them on the pitch that's right yeah i mean obviously the likes of i mean they were talking the other day like kane or somebody I, I don't know whether any of the england players got well some of them probably got yellow carded the other day but again raf it's a bit like the drink ban that was you know that was talked about it's it's these it's these 11th hour decisions that are being made by fifa and qatar and uh, you know we, we we've even had images of people going the, the tiny little sort of love arm love armbands or whatever on their t-shirts or jumpers and people not being allowed into into stadiums but uh, i think the germans probably have got some praise for the for the for the for that brief moment of you know putting their hand up to their mouths today you know what i mean but is it the kind of thing raf in a week's time where we're still going to be talking about i i, I know their issues are very important they're serious issues there's people still doubting as to whether this world cup should be held there Will there be a point in 10 days' time where we'll just be solely concentrating on football? I'd imagine there will still be an element, uh, which is still important, obviously. Obviously, to keep raising raising, um, the issues. And obviously, while the players were, or the captain, Manuel Neuer, wasn't able to wear the armband today, the German interior minister did wear it. And then the, uh, Mm. the German Football Association, the DFB, released a statement in which they said, we wanted to use our captain's armband to take a stand for values that we hold in the Germany national team, diversity and mutual respect. Together yeah. with other nations, we wanted our voice to be heard. It wasn't about making a political statement. Human rights are non-negotiable. That should be taken for granted. That uh, should be taken for granted, but it mm. still isn't the case. That's why this message is so important to us. Denying us the armband is the same as denying us a voice. We stand by our position, and as uh, we've outlined there, the uh, the photo or the image or the footage which was not shown on the international feed. Mm. Um, quite coincidentally, one would uh, one would think uh, that was shown in images uh, later on. So they, in some way, were able to uh, to to stage a, a protest. But obviously, as we as we said, they're playing Spain on Sunday, and this is I don't know what do you think. Is it the best performance of any team uh, at the competition so far? Their seven nil thrashing of Costa Rica. Probably is the best performance, but I think you have to take the opposition into account, Raf. I think the Costa Ricans only had 18% possession, 
you know, um, I think the Spanish goalkeeper could have actually could have actually gone down the road to the shops or whatever, and you know, and come back again and didn't have anything uh, to do. But certainly Spain, I did say it, I think I said it on a previous podcast, Raph, that I have Spain down as one of the teams to really watch here. Um, I think they're a coming team. Obviously, uh, they were possibly a team that should have won the Euros last year, could very easily have won the Euros. I thought they were so unfortunate against Italy in, in, in the semi-final. They were also un- unfortunate in the final of the Nations League against France. And, you know, so I, I think they're coming um, again. And this could very well be the tournament for them. OK, I mean, they, they talk about not having any recognised, again, uh, number nine. But, uh, like, I mean, bagging in seven goals in your opening game isn't a bad start. Yeah, and obviously Alvaro, Alvaro Morata, who would be that number nine, he came on towards the end and also crucially got a goal because his confidence was probably uh, needed as well. And uh, when you look at when you look through the seven nil as well, I think what's you know we always talk about possession with Spain, but their pressing was unbelievable. I know Costa Rica, um, <laughs> you know they weren't great on the ball. They were set up what seemed to be a four four two when I think pre match everyone thought it'd be a five four one defensive yeah. structure, um, which was quite naive actually when you think about the fact that Spain were going to have the bulk of midfield. If you play four four two, you get swamped in there. So That's right, yeah. and then when you take in the young players as well, I mean just how impressive were Pedri and Gavi. I know we see them for Barcelona, and they're still very young, and the, they're the two most recent winners of the the Golden Ball Award for mm. best young player in the world. But they were unbelievable today. Yeah. So I mean, we we talked about Belgium having their golden generation. Are are we, are we looking at a Spanish golden generation coming up with those two players? Quite possibly. And if you take in the other mem- the other young players at Barcelona, we didn't see Ansu Fati today against Costa yeah. Rica. He's had a few injury problems, but he's in the he's in the Spanish squad, and I'm sure we'll see him at some point he's he was given the number 10 shirt at Barcelona after Messi left so that I think that's that's indication enough of his potential and then there's a young lad Alejandro Balde who was a late call up to the squad due to an injury to Jose Gaia Valencia so he's Mm going to be he's playing left back he actually came on today and made his Spanish debut and he made a good contribution there's Nico Williams from Athletic Bilbao whose brother is playing for Ghana Iñaki Williams a one-time Spain international so there are good there are good young players yeah I actually saw uh, Raf I was over to see um, Bilbao there back in early September so I saw Williams in in the flesh playing for them so yeah like I mean so like I mean definitely the Spain definitely have this kind of golden generation coming up last night but just I mean a stat from the game uh, Costa Rica just managed 241 passes in the game compared to Spain's 1,043. Yeah, I think that you tells know, you enough, yeah. And and also as well, I think they only had four touches in the Spanish area, two in each half. So yeah. again, like, I mean, like this, is, and I think Costa Rica, I think they were the last team to qualify for the World Cup. Okay, I mean, that doesn't matter a whole pile. But when you consider um, what impression they had back in the tournament in 2014 when they got to the quarterfinal, you know what I mean? Obviously, this current side is probably not at that level. No, and some of the there's a there's a clutch of players from that 2014 team who are probably a little bit over the hill okay. that are still in the yeah, squad. Brian squad, Ruiz yeah. came on as a sub. He was mm. uh, instrumental that time. I think people remember him from his time in the brief time in the Premier League with uh, Fulham many years ago. And Joel Campbell, who was once at Arsenal, but largely spent most of his Arsenal career on loan at different clubs. He's, yeah. uh, he was leading the line. He actually played okay today in comparison to some of the other players like Celso Borges in, in the squad. But yeah, yeah, and Costa Rica, 
have a tall order now. They uh, with, yeah. with, with Japan next, especially Japan with the wind in their sails. You can imagine Costa, Costa Rica won't be troubling the rest of the competition, but Spain certainly uh, looking uh, looking good. Although, as yeah. you said, we can't get ahead of ourselves on that front. I mean, yeah, but but some positive vibes from them. I mean, Olmo, who, who opened the scoring for them, you know, wasn't of the view afterwards that Costa Rica were weak. He was more or less talking about how strong Spain were. So, I mean, that kind of confident talk bodes well, you know, uh, going forward. Um, at this point, you would have to say Spain to top the group. I, I don't know how it who lines up after that in, in, in the last 16. But um, I said in a little preview raft before the tournament, uh, Spain to get to the semi-final. Possibly, you know, and, poss- and possibly, possibly more as well. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't bet against Luis Enrique, a Champions League winning manager, yeah. in twenty fifteen Barcelona. And the, I think we saw the hallmarks of what a Luis Enrique team looks like: uh, mm. possession, penetration, and yeah. also uh, pressing high as well. So the three Ps, and uh, obviously the other, the fourth P being uh, Pedri as well, who was just an unbelievable talent at that yeah. at that age. But. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, there are four fixtures tomorrow, all live on RT2 uh, or the RT player, whichever one uh, you want to watch it on. And the first game at uh, 10 a.m. is Switzerland against Cameroon. Now, Switzerland are going to be favourites for this, I imagine, Jim, because yeah. they did quite well in the Euros. I mean, they shocked France, came yeah. back from 3-1 down, drew 3-3. And they have, you know, and Granite Jacka. Yeah. Uh, gone from the most one of the, the most maligned man at Arsenal to <laughs> arguably the key man um yeah. at uh, at the Emirates and uh, he's still a key leader there for Switzerland. Yeah, uh, thirty years old now is Granit Xhaka. Yeah, I mean he seems to. Well, obviously it's perhaps no surprise that Arsenal are flying at the top of the league and Xhaka is back flying as well at the top of the league. But the Swiss. Um, Raph, it's fair to say that the Swiss, if if you were to even count in Europe, they're they're probably in the the top four or five teams now in Europe. And if you look at their performances at the Euros last, I mean, could easily have ended up in the semi-finals, lost on a penalty shootout to Spain, beat France in in the semis. I mean, I mean, apart from Jack, I mean, they had the likes of Fruler, they had the likes of Mbolo, uh, they have um, Akanji at the back has been great for City since Manchester City. And yeah, and they have summer in goals. I know there's a bit of an injury. Um, and then they have Shakiri um, uh, still there as well, the diminutive Shakiri uh, as well. So um, I definitely, I, I definitely fancy them to get out of the group. Um, so, but against the Cameroons, um, you know, they they're, weren't great. Um, I don't think they were that good in qualifying, but they have. Uh, they have one decent player. I think his name is Maxine Chupo Moting. Yeah, Chupo Moting, who's been Chupo flying Chupo it for for yeah. Bayern Munich this season. Yeah. Uh, a player who I think many years ago when he was at Stoke wasn't seen as uh, that's right <laughs> wasn't seen as a superstar but he's gone into a Champions League channel challenging team like Bayern Munich and is uh, really flying it since Robert Lewandowski yeah, left. So Cameroon, yeah. I saw a bit of them during the Africa Cup of Nations and. Going forward, they can be exciting enough, but defensively, they'd be a yeah. bit suspect. I mean, the goals are probably going to come from uh, Chupa Moting, as you mentioned. Also, Vincent Abubakar, who was the top scorer in the Nation's Cup, but also uh, Toko, uh, Toko, Toko Akambi, who plays, yeah, well. plays, yeah. plays on the wing uh, at Lyon. So they, they're 
capable of causing an upset, but I don't. Yeah. Think, I don't think it'll be an upset of uh, the uh, nineteen ninety World Cup kind of not no. that not that kind of level. They're not they're not that kind of a team, but they are managed by Rigobert Song. With Song, who, yeah, who was I think the, one of the first people. I think was the first player to be sent off in two World Cups, and people That's might right, remember yeah. him from his uh, time at Liverpool as well. So Switzerland, Cameroon, ten a.m. RT two or RT player, player. one o'clock then. An intriguing game, Uruguay against South Korea. So this is a repeat of the 2010 last 16 match. And uh, I was talking to Tim Vickery, the obviously noted South American football expert, and anyone who wants to get a look at Uruguay, Brazil, or mm. a bit late now in terms of Argentina or Ecuador, but it's on the RTE Sport YouTube channel. Um, he kind of went through all the teams, but he mentioned Uruguay were probably the most fascinating team and also that they're going to this tournament with the aim of winning it. And you look through some of their squad beyond the obvious of an Suarez, Suarez, Suarez Nunes, yeah, yeah, Cavani, Cavani, yeah. Gomez, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like at the back, obviously, um, Diego Godin is getting on a little bit. Yeah. He's been around quite a while, but uh, Jose Jimenez, who I've actually, weirdly enough, had the chance to interview in Spanish before many years ago at oh. Carton House, um, which actually went okay, given my very rusty uh, ability with that with that language. Um, he's uh, he's still a stalwart Atletico Madrid, but the player that is really standing out is Federico Valverde. I think uh, yeah. the Champions League final and also this season at Real Madrid. He's an unbelievable player. Yeah, definitely. And also as well, I think they've only I think they've only conceded two goals in the last nine games as well. And I think their form has really improved since the new boss came in there. Alonso, uh, you know, has really steadied has really steadied the ship there for them. So yeah. So Uruguay definitely, again, you're you're probably looking at quarterfinals at least. Yeah, and That's possibly, not- yeah, and if Tim and if Tim Rickery is correct, they have the potential to go further. They've been the most successful South American team at World Cups in two of the last three tournaments. So yeah. they have uh, they have pedigree, mix of experience, and a little bit of youth there as well. You mentioned Darwin Nunes, uh, who I seems think- to be Nunes Raf, yeah. who seems to be finding his form at last for Liverpool as well. Like, and it seems, to be, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, and they're going to be playing, of course, as we said, South Korea. And uh, South Korea qualified fairly comfortably. Um, I think largely any previews of South Korea, generally it always ends up, talk, you know, you end up talking about Sun Hyung-min, Sun. who mm. unfortunately for South Korea, uh, uh, but maybe more fortunate than Senegal with Sadio Mane, he picked up uh, an injury in a Champions League game with a, a broken eye socket. Now, fortunately, he's able to play, but he's going to be he's going to be wearing a mask. mask that yeah. affects him. And how that affects South Korea, we'll see. But I think they're they're definitely going to be underdogs here. But given what they've seen from the other their neighbors in the confederation, whether mm. it be Japan or also with Saudi Arabia, um, they won't be. I don't think they'll be going in with too much trepidation either. They'll have to go in with a level of belief. Also, as well, Raf. I mean, again, if and I have spoken about this before. Again, at the back. Uh, they're, they've been quite mean. I think all, they've only conceded three goals in their last 10 games as well. So if they can keep that solidity going and maybe some mask or no mask pops in with a goal, you know, you, you never know what might happen. Yeah, and uh, Portugal versus Ghana, the four o'clock game. Again, RT2 or the RT player, um, yeah. take your mm-hmm. pick. And um, Ghana, Ghana are the lowest ranked team going into this competition. They 
they really underperformed at the Africa Cup of Nations with uh, losing to the Comoros Islands, which I think was quite a nadir for them, and uh, finished bottom of their group. Now they qualified after a one-one draw on aggregate with uh, with Nigeria, but qualified oh, yeah. on the on the away goals rule and. They've they've some good players, a couple of good players. Obviously, um, Thomas Party at Arsenal has been impressive this season, and also they've uh, brought in a few play- naturalized players as well, the yeah. likes of Tarek Lamptey from Brighton, and then the Inyaki Williams, who we mentioned a little bit earlier on. Yeah. So they're going to be underdogs here, and obviously, but the the thing with Portugal though that we have to look out for is the effect of this whole controversy around Ronaldo with his interview. And obviously now he has officially left Manchester United as we, uh, as we found out earlier, Yeah. but uh, how that affects them. And, you know, there, there, there's been that much speculation, even about like innocuous things in the dressing room, like Bruno Fernandes shaking his hand and whether mm. there was some coldness there or not. So that's going to be fascinating to watch. Is there a, <clears throat> is there a school of thought, Raph, that Portugal could be better off without Ronaldo maybe starting games? Because they do have a, because they do have the talent up front. I mean, the likes of Silva, Felix, <clears throat> Octavio, Silva, Andre Silva. You know, there, there are there are other options there up front. You know what I mean as well. Yeah, I remember asking Tom Kundert this. So he's a Portuguese football expert based in based in Lisbon uh, for the last what thirty years or so. But this was before we played we played them in that uh, game in Faro, which we lost two mm-hmm. one, and Ronaldo scored a yeah. couple of goals at the end. Now you could have looked at it and thought like, okay, Ronaldo. I think he broke the international rec- scoring record that night. Uh, got to one hundred and seventeen. That that would be the answer yeah. to are they better with Ronaldo? But, um. I think there there has been questions, as Tom Kundert said to me, that uh, they sometimes do look a lot more fluid when Ronaldo isn't in the team. But also, mm-hmm. he's the most influential player as well. So they're it's kind of like it's you know they're stuck between a rock and a hard place with that one. He's still quite effective at times, maybe less so now from what we've seen at Manchester United. But at the same time, maybe Portugal in the balance of play they actually play better football. I remember one game where it was in a Nations League campaign where they they trashed Croatia 4-1 with Ronaldo not on the pitch or he, yeah. wasn't, he wasn't available and they looked really, really good. So you just mm-hmm. wonder, does he slow down their play and also can obviously they can't press as effectively when he's when he's available. Yeah, because he doesn't because Christy Boy doesn't do doesn't do any pressing or you know what I mean <laughs> isn't the isn't the type of also as well and it, it looks like also as well that Costa is probably likely to start in goals now like Petruccio or has been there has been the long standing presence yeah. there between the posts for Portugal so again uh, Raph their, their actual recent World Cup record. It's, hasn't been great you know what i mean uh you know in in the last three or four tournaments um in looking ahead i'm not sure whether i i could say hand on heart that they'll at least get to a quarterfinals no there i think there were a few people like they're not being talked about similarly to what you said about germany earlier they they haven't been talked about as potential winners although there have been a few people who have gone with the potentially messi versus ronaldo final but (laughs) whether messi even gets out of the group is uh is another is another question and well the odds on that have Probably probably lengthened a little bit since Argentina were yeah, beaten yesterday. Just, just just a little bit. So we'll see how Portugal get on. I mean, on paper, obviously they're a they're a strong team, but as we saw in qualifying, we played them twice 
and there wasn't much in it. And they also got pipped by Serbia, who are playing Brazil tomorrow at seven o'clock again. Yeah. RT2 or the RT player. Um, I think we've we've talked about I've I've talked to Tim Vickery about Brazil and he said they're the justified favourites yeah. uh, for the tournament. Uh, granted, they probably have a couple of issues at full back. Maybe they're not they don't have the stars that they had, but they're a much more balanced unit than four years ago. Serbia, though, I was doing a I was doing a preview about the the dark horses, and I have them in there. Obviously, we played them again. Yes. There wasn't there wasn't a lot in it. Four goals to three in Serbia's favor over two games against Ireland in the qualifying yeah. group. But but they're they're they've uh, definite credentials as uh, as dark horses. They they do, and I thought in the match where they played us at the Aviva back in September twenty one, Raft. I, I even though the match finished in a draw, we got a goal. I think it was it was a Duffy late on. I thought they were far superior, far superior to us on that night. So uh, you know what I mean. Um, so obviously you know what I mean. Um, but will they be able? Like I mean, I think maybe at the back there could be a couple of issues with them. I mean, will they be able to keep the likes of Neymar, Rafina? Yeah, yeah, the, the R- one in quiet. Yeah. You know what Ser- I mean. Yeah, Serbia's strengths are going forward. Whether Alexander Mitrovic, who has been brilliant for Fulham this season, is available, we don't know. But Vlaovic yeah. at Juventus is also so, um, really good. They have uh, Luka Jovic as well, who's a right. going to be the third option. Dusan Tadic, who's been excellent for Ajax as the playmaker. Um, we've seen him at the Southampton previous to mm. when he went to the Eredivisie and then there's a player that always seems to get linked with a move but never seems to leave Lazio which is Sergei Milinkovic-Savic Milink- in- yeah Who's a who's excellent in Serie A? I watched a, a bit of Lazio just before the the World Cup break, so he's one to watch. Kostic at Juventus on the left side as well is worth mm-hmm. watching. But it's defensively, as as you kind of pointed out, that's where they don't keep a lot of clean sheets. I mean, we scored a couple of goals against them in Belgrade, and then also as you said, uh, the the game here finished in a one one draw with Shane Duffy scoring. And that's then right. actually, when you look through their group they don't keep a lot of clean sheets. And uh, when you've got the options Brazil have, not even the starters, which will probably be Richarlison, Neymar, and then Rafinha on one side. But then if they don't fire, you have Vinicius, Rodrigo, you have, you have Gabriel Jesus. Jesus yeah, yeah. It's, it's a never-ending uh, carousel yeah. of uh, of Brazilian football talent. Yeah. But also as well, Raf, you did mention about at the back for Brazil, possibly a couple of issues there maybe. You know, uh, I mean, just then. in terms of full back, they wouldn't yeah. have the um no they're they're probably more defensively solid than what we might remember of uh, Cafu and Roberto Carlos who seem yeah. to seem to live up more up in the final third than they did right. uh, defensively. But I think the way what Tim Vickery said to me is they're more likely to come in field and then the uh, the right. wide forwards kind of stretch the play, but. Brazil, Brazil are definitely justified favourites. Yeah, also as well between the posts, uh, Raf. If it's Allison between the posts, I know Liverpool's form has been quite stuttery so far this season. But if you were to name their best player, I would say that it's been Allison so far, and he's certainly heading to the World Cup in form. He certainly, he certainly is. And if he doesn't, then uh, I think Manchester City have a goalkeeper. Manchester City, they have uh... a goalkeeper as well, so they're not badly stacked there either. You know what I mean? But, but looking forward to it, I, I, I think Raf, the four games on Thursday. I mean, there's something, there's something appealing about all of them. Like you know, like this, there's not one which, which you might say, ah, you know, could I be bothered, or one that ah, that doesn't get the juices flowing. But I think in in the four games, which is the final round, the first round games, so every team will have played after nine o'clock tomorrow night. So we'll we, we'll have a bit more, we'll have a bit more of a grip on things. Uh, we'll be twenty five percent of the way through the competition. 
Yeah, by, certainly. By and the, the end of Thursday. Yeah, know. and Group G and Group H look like the two most balanced uh, groups mm. in in certain ways. Obviously, Serbia yeah. and Switzerland. I don't. I, it's hard to call which one of them gets out of that group. Presuming Brazil don't end up being shocked uh, in either right. of their upcoming yeah. games. Might and, slightly slightly edged for the Swiss, maybe. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. possibly. But if, if Serbia get a draw in that opening game against yeah. Brazil, then you might you might fancy them. And obviously, Group H, um, I think has also been described as probably the most balanced group of all of them, oh, with Uruguay, South Korea, South Portugal, Korea. Ghana, all of which can take points off each uh, points off each other. But anyway, That's that is it for yeah. today's uh, soccer pod- podcast. I'll be back uh, tomorrow to review those games and also to look ahead to Friday's fixtures. Anyway, by tomorrow we'll have seen every team. Every once, team, so we'll yeah. have a better idea um, of. Uh, how everything stands obviously the second round of fixtures will probably again there could be there could be more twists but anyway i'll be back tomorrow uh with the uh soccer world cup podcast and as i said all those four fixtures tomorrow live on rt2 or the rt player take your pick whichever one you want to watch but jim mcmahon thanks a million for taking thank you raf thanks as always Let's go! Oh,